Hey guys, welcome to the Back in Shape podcast. Today's episode, we're gonna be talking all about the cat-cow stretch for lower back pain, for your lower back pain. This is a stretch that's done or recommended all the time. You'll see numerous videos on YouTube. It's gonna be part of, here in the UK, some of the NHS guidance as well, but is this a stretch that you should be doing for your lower back pain? Well, hopefully by the end of this video, you'll have a better understanding of what this exercise is doing in relation to what actually constitutes a back injury, specifically what's happening when you've injured your back. And then you can really make up the understanding or your own mind about whether this exercise is going to be for you. The most important thing is that we, number one, do understand what the exercise is specifically doing and why it's being recommended. And then number two, how that fits into the actual diagnosis of lower back pain. And there are errors with both of those things sometimes and misunderstandings with both of those things. And hopefully in today's episode, we will be able to clarify those things for you guys. Now I've got a couple of notes on the board there, so I'm, you might see my eyes gaze up there just to keep me on track for today's episode. But let's start off with talking about what is causing your lower back pain. And hopefully we're gonna tease out, as I said, if that cat cow actually makes any sense. Now really there's, there's two things that are going to be causing your lower back pain. And this obviously is going to include sciatica because with many cases of lower back pain, there's going to be some sort of radiation, radiating symptoms, whether it's just locally in the lower back, whether it is going to be to the glutes, whether it's gonna be down into the leg and what sort of character those radiations are going to have. It varies from person to person, but this for all intents and purposes is including sort of sciatica and lower back pain specifically. So number, first and foremost, there is going to be a lack of strength and a lack of stability in the lower back. That's number one of two. And number two, there is going to be a load-based, i.e. compression injury. Now you might be thinking, well, what's, the, what's the, the, the muscle strength and stability got to do with it? Well, we could make the statement that if we had stronger muscles, if we had better stability in that lower back, we wouldn't have been in a position to actually injure ourselves. So that's why I say that's part of the cause. Okay, that's the reason that that particular activity was enough to injure your lower back. So there's that weakness and instability there. And then there's the actual injury itself, the lower back. It's a compression. The overwhelming majority of cases, it is compression. We can test this further by saying, if I said to you, as with, with, with most cases of lower back pain, carry this extra weight, you go, God, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not load bearing more. Load bearing is almost unanimously across the board, something that creates more pain in those with lower back injuries, really highlighting that point of compression, which has actually caused the injury in the absence of the appropriate levels of strength and stability. And it's worth bearing that in mind. Then we also have accompanying that a degree of reflexive muscle spasm. And this is the thing that's so often jumped on because it's the most obvious. We see, oh, my back muscles are tight, my back muscles are sore, etc. And that's often why, circling back to why this exercise is so commonly recommended, because we see that reflexive muscle spasm and misattribute the reflexive muscle spasm as actually a primary muscle spasm, i.e. the muscle spasm is the cause of lower back pain, rather than going a little bit deeper and seeing there's actually an injury there that that muscle spasm is reacting to. And we've got, Tons of videos across the YouTube channel, uh, some of the Back and Shape podcasts already, although we haven't got nearly as many of the podcasts right now as we will have in the future and has, has content on the YouTube channel. We've got a huge number of resources that cover the various specific conditions in more detail. Things like slip discs, herniated discs, degenerative disc disease, stenosis in the spine, spondylolisthesis, the list goes on, piriformis syndrome, etc. on the specifics of how those specific conditions are affected or are 
involved in this whole process of back pain and the exercises that might or might not be good for that. So that's the, the first important thing to get out of the way. Now, let's think about what is happening in that injury, in that injured tissue. Let's say, for those of you that are watching, it's down here. Let's say it's the L4-5 segment down here. We've, we've compressed, we've gone forwards, we've squashed the spine, it's become injured. What is happening in those tissues? Well, I'll come back to the tissue specifically, but we'll start off with just imagining it as a frayed rope. Okay, we've got a nice length of rope. The whole length of that rope is functionally, it's intact. If we pull it, it all responds in, um, in synchrony all of the different fibers along the whole length of the rope. But if we happen to injure that one section of the rope, the rope becomes frayed. We then would, let's say we're trying to repair it, we would tape up that section of the rope, we'd put some tape around there, and what would happen in the body anyway is that underneath those fibers would start to knit themselves back together again, and then the tape would come off and the rope is back healthy again. But in that window where the tape is around the rope, if we pull the rope, that section of the frayed rope, even though it's got tape around it, a scab, scar tissue for a moment, that section, the rest of the rope is going to move as uniformly as it always has done, but there's going to be tension, there's going to be movement, it's going to be focused to that level of rope where the fraying was, the injury, and where the tape is, the scar tissue. So as we put any movement through that whole length of rope, thinking about the spine now, it's going to focus at that particular segment which is why the amount of movement or the amplitude of movement, that's the range of motion. So a big amplitude would be a large sweeping movement as opposed to a small amplitude, which would be very finite, a very small range of motion. The amplitude really, really matters. And we'll come back into the cat cow in a moment. But if we then take that rope example and put it in our lumbar spine, let's say we have no injury to the lower back. As we flex and extend and move and bend, and maybe we do a cat cow with an uninjured lumbar spine, all of these joints will uncouple, all of them will recouple, the ligaments and tendons all around here, excluding the muscles, although this also applies to the muscles, we're focused primarily on the supporting structures of the spine, will all unload at the same rate, at the same pace as, that, as they were designed to. But when we have that injury at L4-5, right in here, and some of the ligaments have been damaged, the disc structure has maybe been damaged, the stability has been lost. We mentioned that earlier on as a cause of back pain or of the sciatica. Now, when we do any movements, and, and a small amplitude movement would be something like that, and a large amplitude movement would be something like that, think cat-cow here, okay? Instead of all of these, like on this spinal model, moving together in one, these ones have a natural tensegrity, a natural tension going through them, these healthy, uninjured ones. They represent the part of the rope in the earlier example that was not frayed. But then we get down to L4-5, and that's the part that's frayed. That's the part with scar tissue there. That's the part with interrupted tissue that's trying to heal. And as we go through movement there, all of the movement that would have gone through all of these tensed-up segments, normally tensed-up segments, will now be focused to that L4-5. And that's the one that's going to wiggle most. That's why we often have relapses so frequently, because that section is a weak point. It's a point at which any movement that goes through the spine will have a habit of focusing, because it is much more ready to move than any of the other segments. Now, what's trying to happen in that area is we've got maybe some disc, uh, disc uh, annulus fibrosis of the disc is, is damaged, and that's trying to scab up. That's the tape we mentioned earlier. Maybe some of the ligaments on the back, ligamentum flavum, the interspinal ligaments, etc. Some of those other areas are going to be damaged as well. And you've got tape over all of those, scabs over all of those, and your body is working away tirelessly to try and heal up. It's breaking down some of that scar tissue, reorganizing, laying down maybe collagen or other, other materials in that area to re 
restore the strength and integrity back to that akin of the rest of the segment so that we have a nice new rope again. Now, it's important to bear in mind that this process takes a very, very long time to, to reach its fruition, to restore the strength that it once had, and that's where our rehab comes in. An appropriate understanding of the diagnosis will allow us to properly scale out how long these things are going to take us. But if we think back to how that cat-cow works, now knowing what's happening in the injury in the lower back, the cat-cow is primarily thinking of your back injury as like a rusty joint, and, and that we just need a bit of lubrication. We need to, we've all had you know, a door that doesn't quite close properly or something like that, and we just need to give it a bit more of a wiggle, a bit more of movement, and then it'll all be okay. And that's kind of what we're doing with the cat-cow. We're wiggling it, but as we saw earlier, in that example, if we start moving this spine, and, and when you're doing the cat-cow, you're encouraged to stretch through and then stretch the other way, and then stretch through and then stretch the other way. And we think about that rope earlier, if we pull it one way and then pull it the other way, it's really gonna be moving. And we look at the spine, really moving through a large range of motion, high amplitude. That is going to be irritating those tissues that are trying to recover. It's going to be pulling at the junction between the scar tissue and the healthy tissue. And that junction is the area that's not quite so, um, not quite so strong. It's an area of transition. We always have problems when we go from one tissue to the next, when we're talking about scar tissue to healthy tissue. A nice example here is that if you've bent over and, and, and got a, heard a little rip in your trousers, you feel that rip, it's, it's okay, but it's not quite bad. But some of the small fibers have been damaged because they're not as strong maybe at the seam junction. And then you bend over again, all of a sudden the whole thing rips. And that's where these secondary relapses hurt, happen because the scar tissue is not as strong as it could be if it was a continuous healthy tissue the whole way through. So when we start doing high amplitude movements like the cat-cow, they're going to create that unnecessary movement in your lower back. Now you could say, hey Mike, but we need to move. We need to move our lower back. You know, bed rest is, is terrible as it is. Bed rest is one of the worst things you could possibly do. But when you're walking, even with the best of intentions, when you're moving around on a daily basis, you are going to be getting small undulating, low amplitude movements happening through your body. And that is the movement necessary. That's more than enough movement, especially in those early days. And you might be thinking, oh, well, I've, I'm chronic. I've had back pain for years. Yeah, but if you keep re-injuring the same thing over and over again, you've been stuck in that kind of active uh, inflamed area. You've never got any momentum in terms of healing processes taking place. So hopefully, going through this kind of abstract example of the rope and the tape has helped you better understand what's kind of happening in your lower back and really come to that conclusion that at least the cat-cow, I suppose, is going in both directions. So we're going in extension and we're going in flexion, which is more than I can say for exercises like knee hugs and child's pose, which are just complete flexion, which we do more times on a daily basis than you would care to admit or care to be keen on. So it's so important to understand that, that, that that is what's happening when we're doing this stretch. That's what we're doing to our body. And now we know what's happening in our lower back in terms of the injury. We can see that doing that sort of thing, wiggling that movement, that high amplitude movement, is not actually conducive with helping a lower back injury recover. Because yes, sure, it might feel nice on the muscles, but they are reflexive muscle spasm reflecting or reacting to the injury in your lower back. And we have to prioritize the injury, not the reactions. There are plenty of other things you could do to get rid of the pain. We could take tons of painkillers. We could you know, drink alcohol. We could do all sorts of things that might well numb the pain and deal with the symptoms. But unless we are dealing with the problem, we only make things worse in some cases, or at the very least, delude ourselves into thinking they're going away when they're actually not. Now, just to finish up, a little closing point for you guys. Just think about this. One of the big things that we've heard in clinic from members over the years 
is, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time. So why would you waste time doing something like cat-cat, something that's so ineffective and so useless? It's not moving you forwards, it's not getting you stronger, it's just moving things in a very, it's a very blunt tool, which is often wrongly applied to the diagnosis of lower back pain. Cat-cat is, at the best case of scenario, it is wasting your time, time that you could be spending doing the proper sort of exercises, strengthening, etc. But on the second hand, or on the, on, the, on the more negative side of things, it's not only wasting time, but it's also actually setting you back because you're interrupting that natural healing process that's trying to take place. You're getting in the way of your body's attempt, desire, to go through an appropriate healing process by doing movements that are just simply unhelpful. Hopefully that really does hit the nail in the coffin in terms of this exercise, and you can finish doing your cat-cat and focus more on restoring stability to your lumbar spine. Doing little bits of walking is absolutely a-okay moving around the house, those sorts of things, and that can increase as you increase your progression with your strengthening work and as you start to recover and, re and, and resolve your issue. And know that in time, there will be the need to put some load back on that spine to help with that healing process, help tell those cells, those tissues, where to lay down fibers in greater number to restore the tensile strength of your lower back effectively. But that's all the sort of stuff that we cover in the Back and Shake program with all the exercises and natural progressions that you need to take to get things better. But that's all about providing that stability back and also improving the muscular strength, two things that we covered at the very outset of today's episode. So as always, if you have any comments, any questions, anything didn't quite make sense, this is a podcast. We could probably have gone into tons more detail, more granular detail about different aspects of the cat-cow and back pain, etc., etc. but this is for you guys. Ask questions, let us know if you've got any particular comments on this, anything that wasn't clear, anything that, 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 that you've kind of taken away from this video. We love to hear it. And if you did find this helpful, consider it giving it a thumbs up so we know and so the algorithm on YouTube knows. Consider sharing it with someone else who's been doing this exercise. Maybe you've been around with them and it's like, oh, I've just got to do my stretch. And you see them in the other room doing their cat-cow. Maybe you can persuade them to stop doing this and actually start getting some results, start getting some recovery by ditching some of the bad exercises. I always say, it's great doing the right exercises, but if you're still doing the wrong exercises at the same time, you're going to start cancelling each other out. So hopefully that's been a great one. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Back in Shape podcast.